Another episode of Naked Girls Podcasting because that's the way I'm just kidding, I'm not naked. I'm not at all naked, which is the way I'm most comfortable to throw back, sit back, relax, and kick it to you old style. Some topics, some food for thought. Ow! Eat it, eat it with your brain. That came out perhaps more strangely than intended. More strangely than it sounded in my head. But anyway, you're not lost. You're in the right place. The only place where you get two of life's essentials. This is Cake and Kombucha with your host, Kelechi Azier. Cake and Kombucha is a place where I like to muse about life, squirrels, cardboard boxes, the pursuit of happiness, uh, liberty. No, just current events, like current events and trash, politics and trash, important things and garbage reality tv that's we try to toe the line here we try to do both we give you some brain food and then we give you some tummy yummy food and that's the concept behind cake and kombucha so welcome i'll just start off with some thoughts for the day which i think is the thing that i might start doing just give you a little anecdote that's not necessarily related to uh, specifically something that's snatched from the headlines, Law and Order style. But uh, today I was on dog duty. So my dear sis is out of town. Shout out. She was a guest on one of our first episodes. Hey, Sheen. She's out of town. So I was walking the dog, Selma. And tonight I was walking her and she approached this other fluffy dog and started sniffing her butt as they do um, to greet each other. And the owner was like, um, she's blind, so she like doesn't know what's going on. And I was like, okay, and just, you know, pulled my dog away and we continued walking. But I was really confused because I I wasn't really sure what, like, just say you don't want my dog to touch yours or something, but don't tell me like my dog is blind. So she forgot how to be a dog. And now she only eats with a fork and knife and she drives to work every day. What, what is that meant to mean? Like if she's blind, presumably she was, she could probably see at some point she's just an old dog, but even, but even so like that's how they greet each other. So you don't forget how to do everything else when you're blind. In fact, your other your other senses are heightened. Like, can you imagine saying about another blind person, like, oh, don't shake their hand. They're blind. Like they're blind. Let's deprive them of all human touch or doggy touch and normal traditional things that are regular to our species. I didn't, I didn't understand it. I thought it was a little bit shady and it just, yeah, it just sent me on a tangent thinking about blind dogs. Um, but also walking around, it's interesting to see culturally how different people respond to dogs. So I now, as I mentioned, live in Bedsty towards Bushwick. So an area that is mostly, was originally like mostly, not, I mean, not originally like 100 years ago, but like in recent past was mostly black, is now being gentrified. And lots of people have dogs and lots, lots more people have dogs in Brooklyn, like bigger dogs, actually, which is funny to notice the difference between that versus uptown in Harlem when people have more space. Um, you see grown big men walking around with tiny little 
pocket dogs, little Polly pocket dogs in Harlem. But down here, people have their big house dogs as we do. And so it's still kind of interesting because I feel like, I don't want to sound like one of those like corny jokes from the 90s, but I feel like black people trust their own dogs, but they are suspicious of other dogs. They're very cautious. They tense up. You see the little kids like want to touch our dog, but they don't know if they're allowed to. They ask, you know, they they just get very like excited, but like a little nervous. Cause I mean, a dog is bigger. Our dog is bigger than like a three-year-old, four-year-old. And then, uh, the white people that I encounter are just completely comfortable. And I'm like, you're, you shouldn't even be as comfortable because our dog is like, she's not going to hurt you, but she's really poorly behaved. Like she could like knock you down, like legit. Um, and I remember I came out one day to walk her with, and a white family approached with a stroller and I was holding her really, really tight. Cause I didn't want her to jump on the, you know, try to kiss the baby. Uh, she was maybe like two, three, is that a baby? Yeah. I didn't want her to jump on some baby stroller, you know, even if, even if it's out of love and, I was just holding her back. I was like, oh, sorry. Like, yeah. Like waiting from the past. And the dad was like, oh no, she's been getting jumped on since birth about his baby and like wanted to come like engage with, with Selma, our dog. And I was like, wow, that is so interesting. It's just, I don't know that I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think you should be trusting of every dog. And I still haven't even figured out like the baby thing yet, because for example, our dog doesn't like her paws touch that much. And if you if you like touch her paws at a time where she doesn't want you to, or she feels like she hasn't communicated properly, that that's not what she wants you to do. She like, and like nip at you. Um, she never has caught me or anything, but I don't know if that's because she's like doing a warning nip and doesn't intend to really bite or what, but I don't know how that works in kids with, in houses with uh, toddlers where they're being really irritating, you know, not trying to be, they're just, grabbing on the dog's ears, pulling the tail, running around, you know, they lack boundaries. They're toddlers. How does that work? I'm not sure. Do they have some protective instinct that kicks in? I don't know. I can't really see myself testing it to be quite honest, TBH. So that was my very broad, not scientific observation. I was hoping that if I shared this, I wouldn't sound like one of those 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 sets from the 90s like remember Chris Rock was like well white people do this and then black people do this and like then his joke I think feel like then that joke became the joke became like to parody that joke so because so many comedians were just like you know when white people drink Sprite they're like and when black people drink Sprite they're like like it's just it was just asinine asinine comparisons like black people chew like white people chew like I was just like it it became like it's this thing and so kind of meta theatrically people would just like mock their own comedy for kind of sounding like that but you know Chris Rock did it best and you won't be getting any more comedy reviews from me for a long time because I'm just disappointed with the state of it I I listened to um well, actually, we'll, we will be talking about some famous comedians later in the show. But I, I listened to Keep It, a, podca- a great, great, great podcast hosted by Ira Madison and friends, Louis, Louis Vertel, who's hilarious and oftentimes features Ray Sunny, uh, Princetonian and a writer on The Good Place. Go girl. Oh, and Black Lady Sketch Show. I know she wasn't on this episode, but they were covering the... Uh, Dave Chappelle special. And I love listening to them because they often have, I mean, they were culture writers and culture critics, so they have a different, 
they can place things like into like a whole lexicon that's not just, you know, mine will sometimes be more, be more historical or just analytical. And they know like the whole, like the tea on somebody's whole, whole of, whole of work. And so they said that he, Dave Chappelle has all the hallmarks of a has-been comedian and that the worst thing to ever tell a young male comedian is that he's edgy because then he will think that just by his mere existence, he's being edgy and he didn't have to, he doesn't have to do any work. And that is really depressing, but sounded so accurate. Old guy over, you know, late forties complaining about the way the world is now. Check. Not really getting why people are reacting in certain ways to certain things he's saying. Check. Um, and then just this idea that you don't have to work at your craft anymore, that you are just so innately funny that things will just come out. And it's like, I do believe that there is something like the funniest thing with him is just the way he like strings his words together. And like, yeah, he'll, some things will be amusing the way he says them. But then when you listen to the content, it would fall apart. However, it was just such a thing to think about like, oh yeah, you've been told that whatever you do is in and of itself clever. So then you don't have to try to craft things anymore. And so who is going to monitor you? Who's going to let you know when you're a little bit out of touch, especially if you just get into these upper echelons of fame and you, it's like a feedback loop. You're only having your best friend who, you know, as we've discussed at length is, you know, masturbates in front of people gassing you up. What, who's going to tell you like, oh, you need to go back to that one needs more work. Polish that up. It's a really interesting thing to think about, which we'll continue to discuss because I don't know. I, 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 I do, I guess I empirically see that when people are famous for a long time, they change, but I'm not, I, I don't, I won't say I used to think of fame as some, this force that could alter people. I used to think that if you, you know, you weren't famous your whole life, most of us. So I kind of thought, you know, if you had some kind of sense, it would, it would survive whatever the changes brought on by being famous are. But that may not be the case as we will look into. So without further ado, I know it's not adieu, it's adieu. Without further that, let's get into some other stories. We might as well launch into one of the most famous people in the world right now and one of the most dumb. So I was raised following news media. That, that's redundant. Watching like news, like the news with the capital T, capital N. Like we would sit down and watch 60 Minutes together as a family. And when on Sunday we could eat dinner together and then things like that. I'm so old that I remember when CNN was considered a respected news source. <laughs> this is the second week in a row. I'm going to crack jokes and laugh at them. And then I'll let I'll wait for you to tell me when I should start my own stand up. <laughs> but yes, I do remember that. So I have a habit of compulsively watching and I really went deep into like some streaming holes this weekend. And so I just kind of had turned off the news to, in that regard, seeing only like little curated clips of funny things and things that I'm going to share with you. But I wasn't like watching, I basically wasn't watching the Trump show, basically, is what I wasn't watching. So uh, imagine my surprise when I realized that I missed out on him 
debating with people where Alabama, whether Alabama would be hit by Hurricane Dorian. So interestingly, when I Google this to get the timeline of how this whole thing even became a story, Fox News came up first. And I have to say, so I'm reading like foxnews.com and it sounds like it would be shade, but they're just reading what he said. I mean, okay, so let me explain. Our president is so dumb that it sounds like you're being shady just to repeat things that he said, like word for word, because if when you transcribe his words, he always sounds dumb. He never doesn't sound dumb. So it's almost like it's, it's almost like you're insulting him or mocking him to just repeat it word for word. Like if you were his real friend, you would paraphrase a little bit, but that's not what they did. And so I'm confused as to why I thought they were his friends, but they ain't. Okay. So what happened was president Trump apparently said that, uh, Hurricane Dorian was going to hit Alabama and people were criticizing him saying, no, it's not going to hit Alabama. Like that's incorrect. And Fox says amid a relentless defense over his comments, the president on Thursday afternoon invited Fox news into the oval office to stress that forecasts for Dorian last week had Alabama in the warning cone, providing a graphic from national hurricane center and a screenshot of a news report at NBC, which again, to think that the person who is supposed to have the most up-to-date and most, you know, secret intel, I he's just watching the news like the rest of us and screenshotting things, often about himself. It's so strange. I really... Anyway, let me keep reading because this is so funny to me. Fox News was told that Trump was shown a graphic prior to his FEMA briefing last week that appeared to show an older forecast track with Dorian going north through the Florida Peninsula and just grazing Alabama. Pressed on why his tweet on Sunday morning mentioning Alabama came after the forecast had moved much further east, the president seemed to agree that the forecast track had moved but was adamant that at some point Alabama had been in risk. He also emphasized that on occasions in the past, forecast tracks have changed dramatically. Uh, so then the Homeland Security and Counterterrorism Advisor had to come out and again say that the president's comments were based on that morning's Hurricane Dorian briefing, which included the possibility of the tropical storm force winds in southeastern Alabama. Uh, where is this quote that president? Oh, here's OK. So then he held up a map in the Oval Office and showed like a picture of the cone of uncertainty over areas the storm could hit. Now, here's the gag. Here's what the gag is. This area was written over, demarked, if you could say, with magic marker, with a Sharpie. So uh, when asked about the markings, uh, the black marker, he said that he didn't know where it came from. He said, I don't know. Uh, He also said, I know that Alabama was in the original forecast. They thought they would get it as a piece of it. We had many lines going directly, many models, each line being a model going directly through. And in all cases, Alabama was hit, if not likely, in some cases, pretty hard. 
They actually gave that a 95% chance probability. It turned out that's not what happened. It made a right turn up the coast. But Alabama was going to be hit very hard along with Georgia. But under the current, they won't be. But Georgia will be possibly. I'm not... Like, I just thought that... Wow. Okay. (sighs) These are the things that... These are the things that we are the highest office in the land is spending his time fighting about. And if he would just stop tweeting things that didn't make any damn sense and were classified, then he wouldn't get into these asinine little media PR kerfluffles where he had to like double down on things, explain things nobody cared about anyways. I really hate his use of pro. He shouldn't be allowed to say they anymore for the rest of his life. They, they, they. I mean, for someone as powerful, you should have some grasp over who the they is you're referring to sometimes. It shouldn't always be these mystery people that are telling you things. Like, you have advisors. You have access. Why is it always they, you know, they say, they, we, and we accept this? Well, I know, like, half of, the majority of us don't. Um, So the next person that he decided to come after... After he came after the weather, he came after Deborah Messing. Um, Deborah Messing, actress, most well known for Will and Grace, iconic. She has been very outspoken on the internet, coming for Donald Trump. They've gotten their little Twitter wars before. And most recently, she retweeted a picture of a sign in front of a church that said, Blacks voting for Trump is mental illness. And then on the back, it said, Whites voting for Trump is pure racism. And she said something like, amen, and like retweeted it. Now, I think that statement is a little bit, I mean, it's, it's not that it's simplified. It's that it's, I don't know. It's just not as, as clear as it could be. I would rather it said a vote for Donald Trump is a vote for like, you know, racism and putting children in cages and deportation. Like, the calling black people mentally ill to vote for him wasn't necessarily clarifying much and it kind of muddies who the audience is. I I guess what I'm saying is I don't think there's a I don't think the black population that did vote for Trump and might again is even big enough to address. We should just act like they don't exist because they don't. And uh they're they're just not important people. They're very there's a very small number and I don't even want to play into the idea that he actually resonates with us in any way by acting like there's a big faction to to combat. So I guess that kind of makes that's kind of what makes me feel like that wasn't that wasn't worded that well. And yes, any a white woman tweeting that black people are mentally ill, it, I'm going to give them the side eye, even if even if they're like mostly right. I just don't feel like white people should be going around calling black people like Uncle Tom's and shit. Let us do that. Just let us handle that. Um, oh, but actually, what I would say what preceded that with Deborah Messing was that there was an upcoming, there was a fundraiser in Beverly Hills, which is Hollywood. Holla, holla, Hollywood, y'all. That's her. That's her arena. And it was in honor of Trump's reelection campaign. And she wanted to find out. She asked for a report on everyone attending the event. And she said, so the rest of us can be clear on who we don't want to work with. Now, everyone is Megan McCain putting herself in the middle of all this bitch. We know you're Republican and you it's you feel discriminated against and you feel even though your party is the majority right now, you feel like 
it's you feel so persecuted. And it's really funny is because what you don't understand is that you can be whatever party you want, but no one has to like you. Um, so anyway, they like Deborah said, she I don't want to work with you. Deborah is an actress. And even if she had her own like company, but she might have a production company. I don't know. She could. Even if she did. Is it discrimination? I guess it is discrimination to not hire people because of that. Okay, let me not let me walk that back. But the point is, she's just saying, I don't want to work for you as an actress. Like, that's not you can't like get sued for discrimination. So they're now accusing her of McCarthyism. And uh, I think that's crazy. You can't be a one woman McCarthy machine. Like she's not a government movement. She's a person. So do you know how Donald Trump like lands on one word and rebrands this? He's like McCarthy, McCarthy, Deborah Messing wants to blacklist like Hollywood. She don't, she doesn't want to work with people that don't like you and don't like her gay co-stars and shit. Okay. That's acceptable. So McCain, Megan McCain is like, no one's misinterpreting because people are like, I don't support any blacklister because Eric McCormick from Will and Grace had to come out and say, who's he's a straight actually in real life. Fun fact. I absolutely do not support blacklists of any kind. I simply like to understand where Trump's major donations are from as a matter of public record. And then Megan's like, no one is misinterpreting. You want to put a list together of Trump supporters in Hollywood and end their employment, publicly shame them, possibly invited God knows what into their lives. This is a tolerant Hollywood left and no amount of backtracking changes it. First, let me address something. Much like how cancel culture has been just been like dragged through the mud and oh, also on very concisely put as I was trying to get it last week, a Louis Vertel on keep it just said cancel culture should just be called being accountable for the shit that you do culture, which like, yes, I believe in it. Um, this, I want to also like get to this idea of the tolerant left that much like a lot of words, racism, blah, blah, blah. People keep twisting things to mean what they want it to mean. Tolerant, never meant that I'm going to be like, oh, are you the second coming of Hitler? Do what you do. Like, we're all okay. Everything we believe is the same. Everything you believe is is equal to what I believe and its value and import to the world. No, it's fucking not. Some things are wrong and the left never purported to believe in things that are wrong. Tolerance always meant... And I don't even like the word tolerance because it tolerate is like how you do like if a flies in your room and you can't get it out. Like, I'm not going to burn my house down. So I guess I'll tolerate your presence. I never even liked it. I think it's a little insulting to tell me as a black person or gay people, like, I'll tolerate your existence. Like, but, you know, it was meant to tolerance became a catch all for accepting that people are different and they're going to fucking be alive next to you and do what they do. It doesn't mean I I don't have opinions. It doesn't mean I don't have political activism against your political activism because I don't agree with the thing you agree with and it's in our policy and it's affecting our lives. So anytime we try to get buck as we should more and more and come for any of these evildoers or people that are pushing down these crazy policies, eroding our civil rights, people on the right will be like, well, the left is supposed to be so tolerant. I kind of feel like we should just make a press release and be like, we're not tolerant. Rebrand us something else. Like, you don't have to mock us by saying, hey, you have a belief system that you believe in, that you're sticking to. 
That's the opposite of my belief. Like, we know that. We don't believe what you believe. We strongly don't believe what you believe. We are, like, opposing. We're, like, two, you know, magnets with different magnetic poles. So why are you going to then tell me that I'm not tolerant and, like, use it to mock me? That makes no sense. So I'd rather you just take it. Take it away. It's kind of like when people try to make jokes about my last name, Ezier, and they see it and they're like, oh, easy. I bet you got called that a lot. No, I, it, I, it's not pronounced easy. So you can't make jokes about it, me being easy or being called easy. That's not in my lexicon. It's not in my world. Take that and put it over there. That's how I feel like we should do with the word tolerant. So it started with her wanting this list of people to blacklist, and then it continued with her tweeting that sign. And Trump is now on a campaign to get her fired, saying, hey, NBC, you should fire her from Will and Grace. Like, fat fucking chance. Like, you should fire her from Will and Grace. What would it just be, Will and Jack? Like, Will, shut up. You should fire her from Will and Grace. It's a double standard when you fired Roseanne Barr. Okay, Roseanne Barr was saying stuff that came out of her mouth. She didn't retweet no sign that was like maybe in slightly poor taste. She was saying crazy shit out of her own mouth, and she's been doing it for years. There's no comparison. But the part I thought that was really funny was that Trump was like, you know, oh, how things have changed. A couple years ago at Upfronts, Deborah was singing my praises for bringing The Apprentice to NBC and, and and raising the ratings. She even called me sir. Like, why do you remember stuff like that, you fucking weirdo? Why do you remember that someone called you sir? You fucking weirdo. And then she says, no, how things have have changed. Um, Let me think. What big thing could have changed since you were a reality TV host and judge to now? Like, stupid. You weren't making laws before that she was morally opposed to. So, yes, people treat you differently when you're in a completely different position 20 years later doing a different thing. I don't understand why even that whole sentence, it shows you how much he conflates, like, his ego and his identity with, like, things that he did upfronts, which I think it's funny. He's like whining about Hollywood elites and then is tweeting to people about upfronts for you guys who don't work in entertainment is when it's like that you went at the networks when they decide, you know, what shows are going to go on the air and be picked up. And so he was, was interacting with her in that vein. And she said some small talk about like, Oh, cool. We're on the same network. Cool. The apprentice you're on NBC. I'm on NBC NBC. Okay. I'm going to get some more olives now. Like that could have been the extent to what happens, but you as a megalomaniac, hold on to that deeply in your heart. Like you had some kind of meaningful reaction that says something about how she personally felt about you as a human being. So bizarre help on deck. We need a psychiatrist on deck. But then, um, Anthony Scaramucci, who's now turned, he's continued to, he's like, look, I, I went to the other side and I got to just keep blowing this horn. I found Jesus and I know right from wrong now. He's like, yes, she respected you when you were worthy of respect. Now you're not, she doesn't. I mean, it's, I don't even, I think it's kind of funny that he's chiming in. Cause what's the point? Like, None of this is going to get through to him, but they they started a hashtag racist Deborah messing, which only Trump would, you know, 
he only Trump puts adjectives in awkward places like racist Deborah Messing is going to be her name now. And then again, this this stealing racism and making it some mean name to call each other amongst white people, it, it persists. Trust me, while white people, while y'all are bickering about who is racist and who's not, we know that like 97% of you are because most people are. All of us have had a racist thought in our head at some point in time. And if you're raised in a white supremacist society, those are the ideals that you absorb and they have to be purposely not taught. They have to be like unlearned. It takes a lot of work. So I just don't get why we persist with this like name calling, but it shows that you don't really give a fuck about the actual issue of racism because I mean, so do your, your laws, which we'll get to in a minute. We might as well get to next. Let's do that. Can't nobody tell me Okay, so an event venue in Mississippi has apologized after it was exposed on a viral video because we know we only apologize when we are caught. That's how being sorry works. They apologized after a video went viral showing its owner refusing to... Uh, allow a interracial couple to use its services. Um, the video was recorded by the sister of the groom. She went down there to raise hell after she was pissed off at what she heard. So she asked them, oh, and on tape, it was very clear that they were going to be shaped. She said, oh, okay, can you repeat? Can you like, she basically was like, can you repeat for the camera what you just said? And they said, well, first of all, we don't do gay weddings or mixed rice because of our Christian rice. I'm, I mean, our Christian belief. They actually had that Freudian slip. They said, because of our Christian race, I mean, our Christian belief. Um, So they asked, they were like, so why don't you? And she said, oh, we don't, we don't, we don't argue our faith. We just, we we don't want to argue our faith. We just don't participate. And it was so funny because it was clear that she thought she was being polite by saying like that. Oh, no, no, we just don't participate. It's totally fine. Everything's great. And then the the video, uh, the re- person recording, like Cambria Welch, the sister, was like, so that's your Christian belief, right? And they were like, yes, ma'am. So that video, of course, like prompted all kinds of people to go ham on their Yelp. And then I went to the Yelp also to see what was up because I just wanted to. I love seeing the things people write when they flame these companies are amusing. But then old Yelp had to be a stick in the mud and they write the notice saying, this page is experiencing unusual activity due to like media coverage. And they basically deleted all the comments. Look, who says you have to have been somewhere before to review it, right? If you don't like their essence and what they believe in and the core of their being, you should be able to make a review of that too, right? I don't know. 
Maybe you disagree. So this is what these people, it's called Boone's Camp Event Hall. If you want to say, check and see if the page is open and you can go flame them some more. Okay. So they said to all those who have been following the video posted of not allowing biracial marriages in our business, not, oh, ooh, not a comma yet. Please read the content of this message. It is very important. As a child growing up in Mississippi, our racial boundaries that were unstated were that of staying within your own race. There was never verbally spoken, but it was an understood subject. I'm sure it was verbally spoken, bitch. Um, on Saturday, my husband asked him to show him in the Bible where it was located as to the content concerning biracial relationships. There's so much wrong. Do they mean two biracial people getting married? Would they be allowed to get married? Because are they the same race? Um I studied for a minute and began to think about the history of my learning this and where it came from. I was unable to recall instances where the Bible was used giving a verse that would support my decision. After searching Saturday evening, Saturday night, most of the day Sunday, and sitting down with my pastor Sunday night after church, I've come to the conclusion my decision was based on what I had thought was correct to be supported by the Bible was incorrect. (laughs) That's a real sentence, and I I almost didn't know where I was going with it. I have, for years, many years, stood firm on my Christian faith, not knowing that biracial relationships were never mentioned in the Bible. I know there are verses whom we claim to support this, but to my finding, it is not supported at all. As my Bible reads, there are two requirements of marriage, and rice has nothing to do with either. All of the years I'd assumed in my mind that I was correct, but have never taken the opportunity to research and find whether this was correct or incorrect until now. There may be some that stand on the same situation, but I ask you to take the time to get your Bible. Study Greek and Hebrew lexicon. Okay, all shade intended. The person that wrote the beginning of this doesn't even seem like they would know the word lexicon. Maybe her pastor helped. Anyway, I thought this story was striking and great for a couple reasons. First of all, just me personally hearing it, it's funny how many different levels of racism there are. <laughs> it's funny. As much as I talk about it on the show and things I've experienced, situations that are very real, structures, it's still kind of a, a little bit surreal to hear someone say that you imply that you like me a black person like you are a sin and that God doesn't like you the same as he likes me I personally didn't know that was in the Christian Bible I I myself I didn't know yeah I I really thought it yeah you she this person like really thinks that we're mentioned in the Bible in that fashion in any fashion we when like the people that you in Mississippi that your ancestors had expended all those resources and resources putting your foot on their neck, African-Americans, us, we weren't even like, we didn't, we didn't exist as a cohesive group then. We weren't alive. We hadn't happened yet. I mean, black people, obviously Africans were there, but it's just very majestic to imagine that the God of the Israelites wrote specifically for Sally Mae in Mississippi not to marry Junebug around the corner. Like that is, that takes a leap of imagination to really be racist that far. Yeah, but call me naive. I guess I just didn't really think that we factored into people's religious uh, imagination in this day and age in quite that way. So 
and I think I might have underplayed it in what I've said. I haven't played it back yet, but she's she said same sex and interracial marriages. So she was putting was saying essentially that being black and being gay are are sins. And she felt comfortable doing so because Trump has ruled that it is it's legal for people to discriminate against gay people due to their religious beliefs. Obviously, we knew that this is one instance in which a slippery slope argument is valid. That the next thing is that people are going to say, well, I believe the niggers should mow my lawn and that's my religion. Like we knew that. So she's over here saying, well, I can't serve interracial couples either. Next, you could be saying I won't serve black people at all because, you know, I'm white. So if a black person comes to me to patronize my business, even that's race mixing. And I don't believe in race mixing. So I can't serve them because I'm a Christian. So you could you could blame anything on your religion and use it. I mean, that is what the law says. Like you are allowed now to discriminate against people based on your religion. So I just want to be clear and I hope that black people and I say black people as a the ones who are not down with a with the alphabet people's fight to put it the way Dave Chappelle put it asininely. I want them to observe that you can you could call yourself a homophobe and be going around thinking gay people shouldn't get married and shouldn't do this and shouldn't do that but if their civil rights are stripped away so will ours be stripped away we only just now fucking got them i don't know why you feel so comfortable that you would sit here and vote for stuff that impedes on the rights of another minority group i mean i guess the answer is religion confuse religion but it's not smart. I don't know who needs to hear this, but it will not work out well for us. We just got here. Calm down. We can easily be included in most of the bullshit that anyone could do for a gay person. You just switch little definitions of different things around and suddenly we don't have any civil rights either. And, you know, like I said, we really just got them. So there are laws that in place that that made it so discrimination against us was was illegal are things that are helping gay people now, too. So if we try to take away their civil rights or impede them and, and restrict them, it's going to come back on us. And I really thought that this white lady in some ways was doing the Lord's work because she told all you Negroes. I think your existence is a is against God's nature. <laughs> Just the same way I do with gay people, it's the same to me. So black people really need to think twice before aligning themselves with this hyper-Christian, I don't want to say all Christianity, but the part that makes you hyper-focus on homosexuality as if it's one of the Ten Commandments and it's not even, no, barely mentioned. And I think the context of the mentions we've discussed before and they don't really have a lot to do with the people today or the world we live in today, but you know, the Bible is written by many different people, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, I'm rambling. We got to be careful because this woman just really showed us what the real tea is on how things could go down. So do we want to keep writing Buzzfeed articles and flooding Yelp, or do we want to actually have laws in place that prevent this kind of bullshit for everybody? Azalea Banks is back at it again, turning what might be a somewhat 
relevant social commentary into a being an asshole, into a dumpster fire that nobody asked for. Uh, Damn, Azalea, back at it again. Yeah, she, I mean, her other greatest hits, if you're not sure who this woman is, she is herself an extremely talented rapper. She went to LaGuardia School of the Arts, similar to the one and only Nicki Minaj. So don't get it twisted. These kids did not just come up off the street somewhere. They were groomed to be talented. Usually they can sing and rap and dance and do some other shit too, probably sew their own costumes, fasten on the sequins with their teeth, things of that nature. She had a really troubled upbringing though. And so while she is a very talented rapper that showed a lot of potential, she has gone into all kinds of scandal after scandal. Some of her greatest hits includes calling Zayn Malik a nigger sand jockey, nigger sand camel jockey, getting kicked off of Twitter for that. Um, she then went through a phase after being really pro-black, she went through a phase of skin bleaching and lightened her skin to a really ghoulish color. She's a beautiful chocolate skin girl. And she started selling these bleaching projects, products, including an anus lightening soap. I'm just going to, I wanted to pause because I wanted that to hit for a little bit. Okay. So she's also been in physical altercations with Russell Crowe. There's a lot. She's had some dealings at Elon Musk's house. It's there's, there's a lot. So she's known for just dragging and trashing everybody with no holds bars, the most vulgar thing ever. Like I think the Zayn Malik comment, it probably started from some kind of pop critique. She always has a point and then she'll be like, you're a, you're a sand nigger. (laughs) Like it's, It's really bad. So Lizzo has made it to the top of the charts right now. She is charting at number one for Truth Hurts, which is awesome for her to break into the mainstream in such a splashy way. And this has set Azalea off. So I'm just going to read some excerpts from her long, long, pages long tirade. Uh, Let's see. Bloop, 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 bloop. Where do we want to start from? What horrible... Okay, she says, LMAO, the fact that the public and the media has been keeping this fat girl joke going for so long is honestly peak boredom. This song is not good, nor is the dumpy fat girl spectacle live set she does. Saddest bit is that the girl is legit talented and truly only being allowed to shine so long as she allows herself to be this millennial mammy of sorts. Uh, let's see. Queen Latifah was able to represent for larger women without being a disgu- without being disgusting or being a minstrel. So was Missy Elliott. Lizzo really is a millennial mammy. I'm just ready for this joke to be over. Let's see. Uh, that where does she she dress? She brings Adele into it. Okay, she says, "I'm sorry. Why don't we give Jasmine Sullivan all of this attention? She was a talented big girl. Oh, cause she wasn't making a fool of herself. Duh. Another parallel is Adele. Fat Adele gets to be fat white, do a bootleg Mahalia Jackson impression, and take over. But Lizzo got to jump around and act stupid to get half the attention while she has more talent than white Adele. LMFAO. I can't stand Adele white ass." White people really reward her for being fat because I really don't think she can sing. Wow. Jessie J is eating Adele's food on any day. Wow. But Adele plays that fat white girl pity up so hard. Oh, my gosh. Then she says Lizzo is legitimately talented without the throwaway 
the Bruno Mars throwaway tracks. I think that's rude because Lizzo writes most, if not all of her own music. Oh, then she says, like illiterate Cardi, then fat Lizzo. They are really choosing the worst of black women's crop to advertise America with. She goes into how she thinks the music execs are doing this because they're trying to dumb the black American image down. I guess they saw us moving too fast because if you realize after Beyonce became political in ways they didn't like, the elite stopped giving her that top, top spot and started cycling out these lessers like Cardi and Lizzo. Even Lil Nas X trash ass Buck Break Mountain Anthem. (sighs) Ouch. Giving them Beyonce level accolades while being both being nowhere near the level of black female excellence she is. I don't know. I just think black culture is more than ever being infiltrated by white inventions. Uh, Okay. I think we've done enough. Yes. Okay. Uh, this was so off base. It was really off base. Every time you thought she was going to say something deep, she just went off. And you know what? Let me not say that. It's Maybe it's not obvious to everybody where it went off base because we have deep strains of respectability, politics, and our culture. And we also hate women taking up space and being large and looking anything other than the compact, neat, starved, careful, frail way we want them to look. Azalea Banks is very, very, very thin. She's very, very thin. She's she's a dark-skinned girl, so she has that struggle, and that's a struggle that she owns and she knows. However, in terms of attractive female privilege, she is a very, very thin, beautiful woman with slim features, Uh, She wears really long weaves. She does lots of things that you might consider a spectacle, like singing songs about how she loves eating pussy. And just, I I don't understand where the line is. She wears, you know, booty out shorts, nipple out. I don't, I guess that's all supposed to be okay because she's thin. So let's really like look into the premise of this. So many things are just, first of all, Jasmine Sullivan is a, She's a a sanger. She's a sanger the way, like, she's one of those people that just has to, could stand there and sing. She doesn't have to do anything else. Lizzo is not that kind of vocalist, and she's never purported to be. I mean, Adele, genuinely talented. I mean, I will always wonder myself, every time a blue-eyed soul person comes out, do I, do I think about what kind of black person you know, when I hear Sam Smith, do I think about what five musical theater people I know that haven't even got a principal role yet that were raised in the church and sound like that and can outsing him? Yes, I do. However, Adele, I even feel like is a really poor example because she was also in the background probably a lot because of her looks and she has terrible stage fright, never really intended to be a singer, but she wrote these amazing songs and she has an amazing voice. So that was her unique contribution to the world. Um, there's a totally different conversation to be had about why the Jasmine Sullivans, the Layla Hathaways, the Jill Scotts, why these people who could just sing circles, like sing you the telephone book, why they are not always charting at the top. Like, I feel like there's Beyonce and then there's everyone else. And then there's all the vocalists that meet Beyonce level or even possibly exceed it 
who kind of do things like the BET Awards and tributes that we have, but they're not in the mainstream. They've never broken through. I don't know if it's because we just, it's the kind of music they make. The R&B is not, you know, it's not catchy enough for the radio. It sounds old school. It's neo soul. I don't quite know what that is, but I've always known factually that the absolute best vocalists are not who's charting usually at any given time. Uh, That's just a thing. So I want to put Adele there, but if you look at the words Azalea used, it's just such terrible body shaming. Oh, wait, I think she even said at some point, she said, I even get where she said, I even get the body positivity part. But if that were the case, then it just wouldn't be disgusting. So it's, here's what I want to address. A large woman wearing a leotard is not disgusting. I mean, maybe it's disgusting to certain people, but I think the vast majority of us have been conditioned to think it's disgusting. There's nothing, there's nothing objectively disgusting and shameful about a big girl, a fat girl wearing a leotard. Azalea even said, oh, I understand the body positivity thing, but if that were really the case, then it wouldn't be disgusting. So what does that mean? So the body positivity to Azalea Banks is a big woman wearing a muumuu or a caftan with lots of spangles and being like, look at my classy, look at my classy caftan. I'm all covered up. I'm positive in my body. Like I, she thinks she's the only one that has the right to be naked. And that if a big girl does it, it's disgusting. Missy Elliott, Queen Latifah, what do they have in common? They don't show a lot of skin. So if you are a big girl and you're dis- you're, you show a lot of skin, you're disgusting. That's really all that I've gotten out of this because it's a choice. It's your choice to laugh at her. If America is laughing at her, it's not because she is inherently doing anything that's disrespectful to herself or gross. It's because we hate big women. We think they are gross. Sadly, you know, things, times, trends change over time. At a time, big women were popular. Zaftig was the thing. You needed some extra meat on your bones and people were gorging themselves and then skinny girls had it bad. Bad connection between those things is that women are judged for their looks. It is the most important thing about us. It is what we have to contribute to society. Still, if no one will really say it out loud, like we know this and this is why we kill ourselves to look a certain way. So, when you don't, when you are fat, you aren't conforming to that. You, you, even if it's by accident, even if it's through hormones, even if it's because you're depressed, or even if that's just the way your metabolism was set up from birth and you big boned it, you are not conforming to that standard. And that is kind of a fuck you to society, which is why people literally get angry at fat girls. I, at times when I would really have been hard pressed, you know, I have at the same time been mistaken for a fitness instructor and at the same body crossing the street, you know, I jaywalked in front of somebody who was mad and he's like, you know, move it, you're fat ass, fat bitch. That's, that's how our bodies can be, you know, a weapon to us. That's how our mere existence is insulting to people. So if you've never experienced it, which I don't think Azalea Banks has at five, three and like 90 pounds, she has no idea the kind of violence that she's perpetrating on Lizzo and every other big woman that hears this kind of thing. And it's really sad because I think she would call herself a feminist. Like just because other people might go on the internet and the Daily Mail, which is so snarky, I accidentally clicked, yes, you want to receive alerts. Those are the cuntiest comments I've ever read anywhere in my life. Who reads that? 
And it seems like it's a lot of dudes too. Like this is a mystery I need solved. But I remember clicking under a Lizzo thing and people were either saying she did fabulous at her concert, but they were like, oh, that's disgusting. Why do we need to see this leotard up her arse or whatever? Let me, let me kick it to you real. Let me, let me, let me kick you some knowledge. Whatever you think is disgusting, there is some man that is probably going down on Lizzo right now. Okay. People love juice. They love the roles and she's a beautiful woman. So we, we got to stop tripping. Like just because you think someone's nasty, someone really wants to get down. Someone wants to get down. So we as straight women, as straight skinny women, whatever, straight big women's like while we're tearing each other apart and telling each other how nasty we look, just know that there are big girls getting mad love. Have you ever been to, when you go to an amusement park, look around, there's big women with fine, fine dudes all the time, all the time. I noticed that when I was little. So fuck what you heard. I don't even know where Azalea is coming from with this, but I mean, I guess I do. I just think it's really gross. And the the Jasmine Sullivan thing, to compare the two of them as if they were just like, I, I mean, I also wanted to say that Adele, Adele also is like a vocalist. Adele comes from a time where people just, or harkens to a time where people just stood there and sang like Nancy Wilson, Etta James, Dame Shirley Bassey, Barbara Streisand. I feel like she's, I don't know if they still have, well, they don't have media play. I was going to say, remember media play is kind of like Best Buy, but we used to have media play, go buy CDs. There was a vocalist section. I don't even, is that a section anywhere anymore? Like it was just for, these are the people who sang. So again, that she just called Jasmine Sullivan a big girl with some talent as if her talent could be juggling or some shit. Like you just show me that you seriously discriminate against big people. And now I understand that, but let's not label Lizzo's fat as a weapon that is wielded against black America. I mean, that's about as dumb as saying that, you know, gay men are a, in their existence or propaganda to emasculate the black community or whatever. Like some people just exist and they are the way they are. I think it's totally valid to analyze who gets, picked up and who gets popular and why and with what. But if you were open your eyes and not be dumb and skinny, maybe eat a sandwich so you're not lightheaded, you'd see that stores are fucking rolling out. You know, I just went into American Eagle today. They now go up to size 24 in stores. You don't have to order it online. I mean, that used to be something that only a plus size store would have. So America is getting bigger for a lot of different reasons. And you know what's smart? catering to that. It is not embracing obesity and sell. It's, it's letting people wear clothes and not hate themselves and not just say, well, Hey, I got to a certain weight. I guess I should kill myself now, or maybe I'll chop off my legs. So I fit in my jeans instead, let them buy pants that fit and have a singer who looks like them represents them and can make them feel good about themselves while they're on the journey to wherever they're getting to be it getting to a weight they used to be, staying exactly the fucking same, working out some thyroid problems, or just, you know, living to be 100 because you could do that too when you're fat while other people might, people are dying from vaping. That's another article that I'm not even going to cover here. So I think that there's, Lizzo probably represents, I mean, first of all, her being black is almost like, Yes, there are things that we can decide that that means for the community, should we want to take it that way. But black people have often been the arbiters of culture and what's cool and what's fun. So honestly, would we rather have her getting accolades for being kind of corny and 
all the things that people have accused her of, or do we want to give it to someone else? And then, you know, Megan Trainer comes back and is like, I'm 100% that bitch. And then we could be like, cultural appropriation. Like, let her live. Let her be a crossover, kind of corny, feel good artist that. I mean, I do understand being suspicious when a lot of white people like something. That's not, that's you, you usually, no shade. You usually have to just double check and see if there's some pandering going on. You just do. Because when people, when we're being our authentic selves and talking about the shit we want to, usually it's going to make some people uncomfortable. So are there people, the type of people, I saw a BuzzFeed article just describe Lizzo fans as the type of people on Instagram that are like, yes, yes, you know, just learned how to say that three years late. Sure. A lot of them are, but that doesn't really take away from Lizzo. As far as I'm concerned, for y'all who don't know, Prince endorsed Lizzo's musical talents. He invited her to play with him at his house before he died. And Prince is another artist people used to say also, this is a tangent, um, was too white. And so was Winnie Houston. And I mentioned that because Lizzo's other criticism was that she's like pandering to white people somehow, which I had to be told. I mean, to be honest, I fell into her watching Juice. I thought it was brilliant, that song. Listen to some other songs, listen to Tempo, watched a song of hers that like made me cry. The video made me cry. I didn't even, I don't even like the song that much. The imagery of her being naked and the message that she was singing was what I needed to hear that day. So fuck everybody for trying to take away some feel good shit away from people who need it and just back the fuck off. Let me figure out if that's all of the fucks I had to tell Azalea Banks. I'm checking my notes. Yep, that's it. Suck a dick, Azalea. You've really pissed me off with this one. Oh, lastly, coming for Cardi B. That's a thing that she keeps doing, calling Cardi B illiterate. And I'm just really trying to understand how Azalea thinks that her rap is more respectable than Cardi's. It's almost like because she knows that she went to school and had this like elite musical, uh, you know, gifted and talented musician, kid, actor, kid education that she's better than Cardi. But when you put your music side by side, I mean, you don't sound like Booker T. Washington girl. So I don't know what, what you really, uh, you know, when Cardi B is Cardi B, she's wacky. She's from the Bronx. That's really the way she sounds. I think people who are hood think all black people are hood are going to think they're hood anyway. And there's even like Cardi B is even, there's even an argument about whether she's black or not. So like you're claiming her to then call her illiterate. The bitch is not illiterate. She's bilingual. It's just rude. And I, I don't even, what, what can we say about calling little Nas X a buck, buck broke mountain song? What is wrong with the song? He made the song on the internet on that app to try to make it go viral. Like, come on girl, come on. Execs did not, he wasn't a industry plant. He was someone who was trying to, he was a YouTube kid. Ah, I'm signing off. In England, a teenage boy has gone blind after eating nothing but Pringles, French fries, and white bread since elementary school. He went to the doctors at 14 complaining of fatigue and they, he seemed healthy, but they found that he was anemic, had a vitamin deficiency, B12. So he got some shots. Uh, but then two years after that, he started having hearing and vision loss. And now he is legally blind. This is wild. I think, you know, the diet sounds disgusting. It was fr- French fries, 
Pringles, french fries, white bread, occasionally some processed meats like ham or sausage. It sounds disgusting on its surface, but even for me, I think it's a leap to think that, oh, you don't eat your vegetables? Eat your carrots. You're going to go blind. No, but actually, you're actually going to go blind. I mean, now we know a word to the wise, right? It doesn't say anything about his parents um, because I guess they should be embarrassed if they exist. I feel like he's like one of Peter Pan's lost boys and just lives in the woods and comes out, lives in a park and then comes out and snatches the remnants of French fries sometimes or something. It's just hard to imagine the circumstances under which these are the only things you would eat. It doesn't even make a sandwich up. Like, I guess French fries and some of the ham, even if he had ketchup, does that have like iron in it or it's a tomato? Ooh, this stressed me out. Well, drink your water and don't do this. Kevin Hart and Lil Nas X were on a new show called Uninterrupted that is going to be on HBO. Lil Nas X was being interviewed about coming out and Kevin Hart incomprehensibly pretended like he didn't understand why that would be challenging or frightening thing to do and also further pretended not to understand that homosexuality is looked down upon. Yes, this is the same Kevin Hart who I redragged last week for the way he handled the Oscars debacle. This is the same Kevin Hart who had the joke about how if his son came out and said he was gay, he'd like smash him over the head with a dollhouse, which I don't know in what world that was funny. So Lil Nas X says, you know, I was coming out, or little the interviewer actually asked Lil Nas X, so you know, what made you decide that this was the time to... And Kevin Hart literally screams over him, so what, he's gay! He's gay, so what? Um, it was it was arresting. It was like, whoa, oh, whoa, what's going on? And then Lil Nas X kind of looks at him like, okay. Then he continues saying, you know, it was tough because I was raised to hate this shit. Kevin's like, hey, what? No, no, hey, hey, what? Hey, hey, what? And Lil Nas X is like, homosexuality come on now come on now you know that if you grew up in the hood like I grew up in the hood which was so gentle of him to say it was he it was basically more like a you know that if you're not an idiot because also you're homophobic and you just lost presenting the Oscars about it what what's going on I feel like powerful black people keep acting exactly like white people do about racism they keep Kevin Hart was playing the whole like what what you you're gay I didn't notice I don't see color I don't see I don't I don't, I don't see sexual orientation I don't I don't like uh, can he can he just can someone else talk about their experience for a second like you're about to be made uncomfortable that he is talking about some things that have happened to him that are real that are different than things that have happened to you and you have to shut it down and then you have to ask him grow well grow up to hate what sir your only scandal in your clean comedy career was a a bit in your show talking about how much you would hate it if your own son turned out to be gay what the fuck is going on i saw there was a glass of red wine in his hand but that beyond that i just don't know who advised him that this is the best way to go about things. I am so, I'm just fascinated with the way people deal with culpability, learning, apologies. Who is advising you? Because 
the apology, you know, was just, yeah, I'm spreading positivity. I'm not looking back. Have you learned anything? Have, but you already know that there's homophobia because you were homophobic. That's all the kid was talking about. Oh my gosh, the worst kind of gaslighting and interrupting on top of that. It was a mess. I don't know what, I don't know what happened. I don't know what the point of that was, but turn it off. Like this, I feel like enough has happened where he just should have had some serious concierge triage. Okay. Like I'm going to call this gay expert over and we're going to come and sit with you and talk about gay things. Here's your gay talking points. That should have already happened for Kevin. So I'm not quite sure what's going on, but Lil Nas handled it gracefully. He is a really, really brave guy. And I, I really do want to think about how many out and proud pop stars, you know, I bet you can count them on one hand, but for this guy to be charting at the top of the charts and then to risk his career and risk whatever he was going to be packaged as and branded as to come out and say that he's gay. I think that was really huge. So I think he's a pretty impressive kid in my book and I am excited to see what he does next. Malik Yoba is making headlines with a very complicated story that started out as something somewhat positive and then took a big nosedive. So on August 26, uh, Malik Yoba posted the video that has been circulating, which I discussed too, about Maurice Willoughby, who is the 20-year-old who killed himself after, after being teased for his relationship with his transgender girlfriend. Now, his girlfriend, Faith, is the one who released that video But there was more to the story that most people, myself included, found out later, which was that her boyfriend was abusive to her. He threatened to kill her before killing himself, uh, which is kind of an interesting thread that we will get back to. Um, Yoba, he posted the video, Malik Yoba posted the video, and he, he made a really revealing post. He said, I love all women and count myself among those that find themselves trans attracted. And I too have felt the self-imposed shame that comes with that truth, but it's time to speak up. It's not about genitalia or sex, but about attraction to the soul and humanity of an individual and often the beauty that is in the courage and conviction to live one's truth. As a self-identified cis heterosexual man, I too am learning what it means to be trans attracted. So this was... I thought a largely positive admission. I thought it was a really big deal for someone who is, I mean, first of all, Malik is like a fixture around New York. I've met him. You see him everywhere. He is like hyper-masculine. He was just that dude. Like in the 90s, we all watched New York Undercover and he was that dude. And so for someone like that to say, hey, I am as straight as you, you know, I still think I'm as straight as you always thought I was and... I am attracted to trans women because they're women, because they're people, because they're lovely people, they're individuals. That was a really powerful statement. Unfortunately, then we find out that there may be some reason that he brought it up, which is self-serving. So later, a trans woman who's an activist named Mariah Lopez Ebony, she had a long Facebook post in which she said that his admission was basically to get out in front of the fact that he is being accused of his exploitation of trans women who are underage. 
Um, so she said that she was a sex worker in the past. She was a child prostitute and that Malik would drive around the meatpacking district looking for black trans girls who were um, sex workers. She said she was between 13 and 16 during this time. And uh, she said, let me just quote her. She says, you always remember celebrity clients. It's like time slows down. You remember every detail, blood pounding. He was cute and polite. Don't get, re- go, get me wrong. But I'm sure he knew what he was doing was wrong. What Malik paid me to do as a 13 and 16 year old wasn't love. His ignoring that I was clearly a child prostitute wasn't love. And it goes on and it goes on to talk about how she was in a shelter, you know, the shelter that she would stay at sometimes, the girls there, like some of her trans girlfriends knew and New York Undercover would come on and they would just kind of like giggle and smirk to each other and other people kind of thought there was something going on but didn't know. It was really painful to read about. Um... I just, it's sad. You know, she says, you know, you're paying for cheap thrills and secret orgasms, begging for unsafe, unprotected sex from a runaway trans team while enjoying stardom as a successful artist and businessman. This isn't love. So I don't know the, which came first, but if this news was about to come out, then it would seem like Malik did what Kevin Spacey did and only came out after accusations about the particular type of person he was abusing surfaced. What I mean to say is, you're, you know, regardless of their sexual orientations, they, ha- they were still abusing young people that just happened to fit into their preferred sexual orientation. And so Kevin Spacey, if you remember, which was so sad because he's one of my favorite, favorite actors of all time, he... He came out to have been like harassing, raping 13-year-old boys, um, having relationships with people, ruining some people's lives, making them leave the industry. It was just really disappointing to hear. And then he comes out the next day to say, I'm gay. So like, I'm going to explain the fact that they were boys. I won't really address the fact that I'm a pedophile. I'm just going to be like, yes, I'm gay. Like it was, that was so dicey. That was really, I found that really sketchy for the gay community because people have long since tried to conflate homosexuality with like a perversion. And I thought that was so sketchy to toe that line of relating your underage activities. And I mean, basically he just threw his community under the bus is what happened. And Malik is kind of throwing a community under the bus that isn't even a community that's allowed to be out and and talked about now. He basically has kind of like really set this back, I feel like, because now people are going to hear little bits and pieces of the story. People who already think that he's, it's perverted to, you know, date trans people, have sex with trans people are going to associate it with child prostitution. And, you know, under this lady's comments, I still see all the same kind of blaming stuff. I don't believe it. I don't, why would you say this now? Which is, I still don't understand. Someone said, why didn't you say that back then? Why didn't you say when you yourself were a child prostitute and doing something that was illegal and you were a kid? Like, what do you mean? I'm not saying that we have all the facts and we know exactly what happened. I'm just saying that it seems strange to dismiss her comments because she was a child sex worker. Like she said, 
she was a, she's admitting that she was a sex worker and people were, were like, well, you knew that was wrong or you telling me this, even though you were a prostitute. I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. Like she was a prostitute, which is, she was a kid. She was 13. So again, we, we just can't see women as victims no matter what. I mean, I thought more people were, were hip to, to know that many sex workers are coerced into it. And I don't mean, uh, that's not, I don't mean strippers necessarily. And I know it's very controversial and there's all kinds of sex therapists and kink people. I mean, people that are hooking on the street usually did not get there from positive circumstances. And I didn't know that people were just like, well, you and you were just turning tricks for fun. So I don't know why you, it was just bizarre. I, I just would, I would think that I wish the reasons to not believe someone were more like interrogative. Like I know this woman, she has claimed that she has been a paid client of every person on the Hollywood walk of fame, or I happen to know on good authority that Malik Yoba did not go north of the Lower East Side from 1991 to 1997. There's nothing except just tearing down a woman's character when she says a thing that happened to her. And I just think as soon as, I mean, as long as this kind of environment exists, it's going to be really hard for people to get justice for anything that's happened to them. And I also, the perception continues that anything you do is for money. Like, yes, you could sell a big, you could sell a story for money. You can, but Malik Yoba is not even that famous, like outside of the black community. And furthermore, I, people, from what they say, they seem to think that as soon as you say something, you get like money from the legal system just for like announcing it. And you're just wads of cash. And someone comes out your door with a life-size check. I don't really get it. I'm uncomfortable. Uh, also, Malik's baby's mother came out with a statement also, which is just another messy twist. Her name is Terry Vega, and she wrote a comment underneath his comment and said, as the mother of our two beautiful children, you already know how my support for you has already been always been unconditional. I expressed that two months ago to you when I became aware of your current trans relationship. Why did you not have a conversation with our children and wait till last night to text our firstborn with this info? Yet you were preparing your public months ago on IG. Our children support you and keep so much a secret of what really goes down with our family dynamic. I asked to meet you over a month ago and you have yet to make time. So here I am. If you know better, then do better. Family is first overall. I am not clear on some of that grammatically or like what exactly it's referring to, but it does confirm that he is currently in a relationship with a trans woman. So, you know, maybe that is the reason that he came out with his statement and maybe it's not because he had wind that these other things were going to come out. So perhaps there's no Kevin Spacey parallel and that's not the issue. I really don't know. I'm, I'm just reading this live. Um, yeah, I don't know. But like, is it, un- do we not believe that men patronize hookers? I, I just, I think we got to stop putting these celebrities up on pedestals and just shutting women down at any time they, they come up with an admission that's unflattering because people do bad things. But we don't know, we don't know what, which one it is. I just, kombucha ain't clean on both sides. So we'll find out more as the weeks go on.
There's a woman from Ohio who allegedly purchased a newborn from the Philippines and tried to smuggle him out of the country. She already has five children, five special children, she says. And she met this teen mom online and purchased, she paid for this baby. And she tried to smuggle him out of the country in her carry-on bag. So... Where did she get caught? She got caught at customs of the U.S. trying to trying to come back here. And apparently the uh, National Airport Investigation Unit said that she just wants to give the baby a name and a church blessing. I think that this is just probably the tip of the iceberg with crazy people that want, you know, that are obsessed with saving people from other, saving children from other countries. That terrible story of the hearts, the couple, that lesbian couple that that family annihilated and took their children over the cliff with them in a car. It, there's something so disturbing about the idea that a baby would be better off in your carry-on luggage, possibly suffocating to death, than in their third world country where they are, when maybe a relative would get them or someone else. But instead, you decided to buy a child, which, and then that you don't even realize you're participating in a market then and propping up a market that, that would encourage more people to, to sell children and think that that is a thing. I mean, you basically are engaging in human trafficking, but because you want to have a kid as a, what, as a prop, as a, you know, something to make you feel better about yourself and as something to show off people how good a Christian you are and how you're saving people. The baby could have died. It's just so fucked up. So apparently, in true Broke Down Palace fashion, this woman is, she is facing a, a possible penalty of life imprisonment. Oh, yeah, because they did file human trafficking charges. Okay, good, as they should have. It's just so strange. We got to chill. We really, really, really got to chill. Like, this is not okay. There's these, uh, do we blame religion? Do we blame, you know, imperialism, a sense of superiority? I don't know. But babies don't belong in in carry-ons. I don't know who needs to hear this, but babies don't belong in carry-on suitcases. All right. That's all I have to say about that. Okay, that's it for another episode of Cake and Kombucha. Before I leave you, I wanted to leave you with one more bit of information, which is that in Houston, uh, people held up a Popeye's at gunpoint over these chicken sandwiches. Yep, you heard that right. Uh, Let's see. So there's a group of customers walked into Popeye's. They asked for sandwiches. And when they found out it was sold out, they got angry and pulled out a gun. Then they went to their cars, went through the drive-thru window, and, like, threw an empty can through the window. I just don't know what to say. Like, were they hungry, or they just wanted to keep up with the Joneses? I don't know. Well, I didn't even try to get the sandwich. I don't, because it's not offered on Uber Eats, and I wasn't going to go get in line for it. 
A gun didn't cross my mind, uh, but I don't see how that could also help a sandwich materialize. I guess you would have to like find the warehouse where this, everything on the ingredients would probably be frozen and stand them up and steal it. Shake it down, make it yourself, bring a hot plate. Oh no. Anyway, that's all I have for you this week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Cake and Kombucha. Please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And tell your friends to subscribe. Tell your mom and dad to subscribe. Tell your baby and your hand luggage to subscribe. Make sure you poke little holes in it so that he can breathe. We don't want any accidents. That's all I got. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Cake and Kombucha is produced and hosted by actress, writer, and singer Kelechi Azia. It features music by the talented Melanie J.B. Charles. If you like what you hear, check out MelanieJBCharles.com.